This is Molly Livingstone on the Mid-East Peace Podcast and back by popular demand of just the one, me, <laughs> we have Times of Israel correspondent for the Knesset, Raoul Wootliff. You know, it's really interesting. There's a lot of shit going down in the media nowadays with like white supremacist rallies and in Israel, we had a Likud rally and Raoul, you obviously covered that. Yeah, well, it was a fun event. Let's, let's put it like that. Was it like white supremacist-y kind of event? I wouldn't quite go that far. Not I mean, yet. just a little bit of background. Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu is under two separate investigations as a criminal suspect. And no, they're... a politician <laughs> under investigation for crime? Go on. And there are two other investigations in which many of his close aides are invest- being investigated. He, of course, says... He, nothing. nothing. There's been nothing. There's going to be nothing. This is all lies. Right. And he's turned his blame on the media. There's been some blame on the justice system, on maybe the, the state prosecutor, but it's it's a little bit inappropriate maybe for the prime minister to blame the justice system, to blame the rule of law in the country. So who else can he blame? The media. No one cares about the media. So he had this big rally in which... He claimed his innocence and he put all of the blame on the media and, and I was there and... Uh, so it's your fault. Yeah, and there were, you know, other journalists there and it really it really was one of the few occasions that I really felt uncomfortable as a journalist. It wasn't just the message that he said, which was... It That's not Ralph whining. That's the baby. We all remember that I was pregnant, had a baby, and now the baby is with us during the interviews. Go on, Ralph. It wasn't just the message that he said, which was pretty crazy itself, blaming the media, lies. He, he even said suicide bombs in the in the second intifada were caused by the media. Wow. But it was the atmosphere of the people there, shouting, cheering against the media, chanting down with the media, at one point even death to the media, people shouting personal insults at me, some of which were, might have been justified, but some of it were certainly not the atmosphere you normally get as a, as a journalist at a, at a political event. Right. I want to read something you wrote about this. The article, I'm sure you weren't intending, ended up being about you, basically. Yeah, it was a little bit of a, a personal account of my evening amid the anti-media rally. The media diaries, if you will. So you had this quote that you were asking people um, why they came to the rally. And one said, I came here today to say that Bibi is our leader and we support him no matter what. It's you in the media who are trying to bring him down. At every turn you try to get him, you won't give up. But neither will we. We will stand up for Bibi. He cares about us. You don't. And then you said, well, others weren't as, like, pretty friendly. They called you a fucking journalist shit, a traitor, and on several occasions, a homo. What was more offensive, the fucking journalist shit or the homo? Well, I found it quite funny, people calling me a homo. It's, it's a little bit like in school, someone saying you've got the cooties. Yeah. Like we're in 2017, we're all adults. Someone saying, you're a homo. I mean, <laughs> is that, was that really offensive? And it wasn't just one person. It was, it was a few people. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why specific, specifically me. Probably it was because I was having gay sex at the time. Um, that's the only explanation I can think of. Um, I was no. going to say you have a, a certain je ne sais quoi. Uh, I think it's a compliment, Raoul, because you've lost some weight. You've cleaned up your hair. You wear nice glasses. I almost think it, it's a form of flattery, you know? I, actually, thinking about Agreed. it now... It was probably, they were coming on to me. I think, they, I think they were. I think that's what it was. The fucking journalist shit, probably less so. But when they were saying a homo, I, th- I mean, 
maybe that's what was going on there. But no, there was certainly, there was an atmosphere where people were really, were really riled up and people were cheering and, and chanting against the media. And then when Netanyahu's speech came, it really was like the height of this anti-media, anti, sort of anti-establishment feeling, even though Netanyahu is certainly the absolute ultimate establishment in Israel. Here's my thing. I studied broadcast journalism, and the reason that I really left journalism was I did feel a bias from the media. I felt that we were being told to say or to dictate a story rather than tell the story, to add our opinion. And even though I am definitely not a Trump fan, I see it happening. I see on CNN they'll write like 48 Trump bloopers of the month or something like that. And that's kind of instigating me to not like him. Right? It's the way you say it. So I looked at your pictures in the articles, both before and during the rally, and there seemed to be a lot of BB like Heil Hitler pictures. He had his hand in like a Heil. Okay, so yeah. Oh, there was, the, right. Raul just did the mustache, which happened, when was that? A few years back, well, a he, shadow was cast on, on his mouth. On Angela Merkel, when he, he did a shallow <laughs> shadow right. on Angela, the German Chancellor's mouth. I'm not sure if we specifically chose those. I, I did, well, we did choose... The people at the rally would say you did. Well, we, we did choose pictures to show an atmosphere, maybe, to show that there was a, a, a heightened atmosphere. The speech that Netanyahu gave was an angry one. And I think that, you know, the pictures and the atmosphere that I described in that article describe what was going on there. I, I think so. But you are right that it's difficult to strike that balance. And in this, in this instance, I thought very hard about this article because, as you said, it was an article in some respects about me or about the media. And obviously, as a journalist, I have a certain bias in that respect in that I think the media has an important role to play, specifically in amid corruption allegations into the prime minister. But I also don't want to just paint a picture that says the media is right and the prime minister is wrong because the prime minister is not saying that. There are people that see it differently. And there are different, different angles. I hope I was able to convey that. But it's difficult when the message is specifically against the profession and the, the message that, that I'm trying to put across. I understand that BB, like most politicians, want the media on their side. And when they're not, they'll go after them. What I thought was very interesting in your article was when you talked about the mayor near Barkat of Jerusalem, who has his eyes on the prize, right? He's wanted to be, it seems like the prime minister, he definitely wants to get higher up in the Likud party. And he actually sided with Bibi. In the article, he says, nobody is above the law. Everyone, including the prime minister, is innocent until proven guilty. They want to investigate him fine. But the media is right in the interrogation room. This is totally unacceptable. While he took selfies. You see, you noted that he took selfies almost. It feels like you're trying to take them down. It feels like you're trying to paint silly pictures of politicians. Well, I think that the media does have a role. I think that it's important for the media to be cynical and to be skeptical about the, the, the role of, of our politicians. Um, some of the things I noted in the article that you might point to are, I spoke about Knesset member Oren Khazan, a particularly controversial member of the Knesset, who was attacking the media while there was a huge queue of journalists waiting for him. And for each one he waited for, took a selfie with, then, uh, th then went into an, a, a, to Work attack the media. It, you know, he was, was using the media to get across his, his message of, of attacking them. This type of article was painting a picture of the of the event that was going on. It was a boisterous event. Lots of people were there. 
all the politicians were there, yeah, taking selfies with other people. I don't think the, the aim was to make the politicians look ridiculous, but I think that I was certainly trying to put across the genuine atmosphere that I felt was there. Now, I think a big point about how people view the media is uh, we could perhaps understand in a debate that often takes place about the word controversial. And we had this recently with, uh, with another article we spoke about People don't He's like... He's talking about a private conversation that he destroyed another friend who was also a journalist, but also... Well, he's not even a journalist, is he? He's kind of like a host crazy guy. And it came across in the article's headline, and he was upset. Yeah, so people that agree with a certain point will find it offensive when someone says that's controversial, right? So if a white supremacist says white people should should have more power than black people, and then someone says that's controversial, that person might think, how dare you say that's controversial? That's my opinion. That's a, a standard opinion. But controversial just means that there is disagreement on it. It's an opinion that has caused disagreement or that has caused a public debate. And so when an opinion or a statement or an action is described as controversial, by me or by someone in any article, doesn't necessarily mean that the writer disagrees with it. It means that it's caused public debate. And on both sides of the political spectrum, people are very unwilling to see that their opinion is controversial, that their opinion causes debate or causes disagreement, because people think that their opinion is the be-all and end-all and is the truth. Okay, but again, that's politics in general, and those have always been politicians for hundreds of years. Like, that's their job, is to be louder and to say statements that we may or may not agree with. If we agree with, we vote for them. If we don't, we go against them. But the journalists seem to be attacking and making headlines. You know what I think it is? I think social media was taking over and the people were putting out posts and the journalists were literally losing money. You can't get advertisements. No one's going. You're going to lose out. And so you've been given a beautiful opportunity of really hyping the news. Like North Korea for America, for media, to me is gold. Like there's so much they can do now and they can make scary headlines and you're going to read when there's terror, when there's fear, you check the news. And this is their opportunity. I don't think that there is, and I certainly, certainly on myself and colleagues of mine from my news outlet or other news outlets, I don't think there's a conscious effort to try and hype up situations or compete with social media. But I do think that news has to be something that's new and sensational, sexy, different. If it's not, then it's not news. And, mm. and it's there's so there's so much news out there that while it stays important it fades from our screens or from our newspapers because there's nothing new in it we don't have have a newspaper or or have a certain type of news called olds which is bits of news which are still important but it's it's still going on some trial that keeps going on some policy that's being pushed and keeps going on and on all news has to have a, a certain element of being new and exciting and i think that where a difference has been made is that in the age of the internet and in the age of iPhones and communication coming straight to us instantly, news is constantly changing and therefore it has to constantly be new and constantly be exciting and sensational and sexy. And so maybe there is an element of turning certain things to portray that that element of excitement or newness in them. I think that with Trump and also with, with Netanyahu, there's a, a specific difference, which is that we're talking about behavior of politicians beyond the norms. I think Trump is 
we can't judge him within the normal realms of any other politician because he behaves so differently, not just in the policies that he's pushed, but the way he uses Twitter, the way he makes statements with absolutely no correspondence to, to, to the truth or reality. Uh, or, or reality, the way he changes his opinions over and over again. We're living in a different time and therefore I think there is a, a need to report on that appropriately. We can't just report on it in the same way that has been in the past because it's different. I don't think that we're treating Trump differently. I think that his persona is different and therefore requires a different level of, of coverage. But here's the thing. You've just diagnosed him and you're not the doctor. You're supposed to be just telling a story. You're the one that takes the notes and puts them in his file, but you're not supposed to diagnose. And that's where I think you're not allowed to have an opinion and where I could see people getting angry and upset. Again, I'm not a Trump fan. I'm not even a BB fan. He drives me nuts with the crap he says or the things he does or his ice cream budget, which is not on trial this time around, but was a couple years ago. But it brings us to an interesting point. I know, Raul, you want to say something to defend yourself, but you don't get to. Because <laughs> the media sucks and you're all fake and you're a fuck journalist shit, whatever you call What I would say is that that would be true if there was one investigation going on, but there are two separate criminal investigations into the prime minister, two other criminal investigations that many of his close aides are implicated in, and he may well be soon. His wife is soon to be indicted on a series of alcohol of charges. Re recycling. Um, we're talking about a number of serious criminal investigations that might lead to indictments and the prime minister then turning on the media and attacking them and this isn't normal. This isn't, you know, just a, a normal day. This isn't just work as, as usual. There is a different level of what's going on here. And with Trump, I think it's the same. You're, you're right. I did diagnose you're it. That right. <laughs> but th this isn't when an, a certain incident happens with a normal, with, a, with another president. Um, it put out a statement that's carefully considered by a team of writers and then consequences are thought about how that statement's going to affect other countries, how the media is going to report on it, how other political allies or enemies within within the political system are, go, are going to follow follow up on it here he puts out a tweet without telling anyone on his staff without telling anyone in his party without telling other people in his cabinet he recently tweeted about the about banning gays in the military um sorry Man, about ga ga you're a homo you should <laughs> and he said he had it in two parts his first tweet was no longer will the military continue to behave in the way it has dot 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 the second part of the tweet said that we're going to change the way we, we accept or don't accept transgender people in the, in the military. In the nine minutes between that tweet, the Pentagon thought he was going to say that we're going to attack North Korea. <laughs> this isn't normal behavior. This isn't, we can't just report on it normally because all those consequences that I said afterwards, the consequences for other countries, the consequences for the other party, the consequences for his own party, the consequences for his other cabinet ministers, they all then come out following his behavior. In a normal situation, we wouldn't have dozens of stories about dozens of controversies that he's caused from that one tweet because those things have been thought about beforehand so while we have many more stories and many more different angles on the stories i think it's not because people are specifically out to get him i think it's because there's a there's a difference in behavior that's causing that i hear you but still for you to tell a story not add the colorful parts of it you know and then he waved his hand or then he acted irrationally it's not up for you a host of a tv show that you have on fox or cnn or bbc is allowed to do those kinds of things i think in the journalism i studied 
you are not allowed to do that. Now, here at the Mideast Beast, we have a disclaimer that we believe all news is satirical. And I think in this day and age, there's a lot of headlines you read and you're like, I'm sorry, what? Was that real or not? Right? People will read the Mideast Beast and they think it's real news. And vice versa, they may read CNN and think it's fake news. And you are called a fake journalist. You work for Times of Israel. And it could be debated by either side. Some people find you fake and gay. Other people <laughs> find you accurate and less gay, maybe Metro. Okay, so this brings me <laughs> this brings me to a game that I wanted to play because I think that our game last time, I played this with Alex, my co-host in England. You're also British, so don't get them confused. Everyone sounds alike there, looks alike, smells alike. So Shimon Paris once told the former editor and chief of the Jerusalem Post, Steve Lindy, you tell them what to think about, not what to think. Okay, in terms of journalism. So here's a game we're going to play to see, Ral, if you are, in fact, a biased shit journalist. (laughs) If if I'm a fucking journalist shit. Oh, I'm so sorry. I got it all backwards and wrong. It's funny because I call you that regularly. Just a biased shit journalist. Where's that shit, Ral? Um, So here's what we're going to do. Speaking of Shimon Peres, who was a left-wing politician, labor and very well respected for that stance on peace and all that crap. Uh, so you're going to try to guess, you can't see my notes, who said the quote, okay. BB, who represents the right wing, or Shimon Perez, who represents the left wing. Are you ready? Ready. Okay. So here we go. My level of intervention in the press trying to control stories is zero, sub-zero. Oh, I would guess BB. Of course you would be correct. Okay, I wanted, to, I wanted to make you feel good before you might feel shamed. You homo. Okay. Television has made dictatorship impossible, but democracy unbearable. Sounds like a Perez quote to me. Damn it, you're good. I thought that would throw you. Here's another one. The rules of engagement have become so rigid that governments often straightjacketed themselves in the face of unambiguous aggression. I don't even know what that is. Sounds like a Trump. I'll go for Perez. BB. So that's kind of good, though. That means that you might not be able to uh, be biased because you don't know who the hell said what. All right. When you have... Wait, so how do I... If if I get all these right, that means I'm biased? Yeah. (laughs) Okay. That means you're a biased fuck shit journalist. Did I get it right this time? No. No, still wrong. I'll get there. All right. When you have two alternatives, the first thing you have to do is look for the third that you didn't think about that doesn't exist. Definitely Paris quote. Yeah, definitely. Because it's like a hippity-dippity stupid quote, right? (laughs) It's beautiful. All right, speaking of beauty, peace is something very dear. If you've been through wars and operations and battles, you want peace. Probably. It could be either, but maybe Netanyahu. Is that your final answer, you journalist? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, sure. Yeah, it was a BB one. All right, you know when civilization began? With the invention of the mirror. Not sure I understand the quote. (laughs) I'll I'll go with Perez. Yeah, you're right. But you see, you don't understand him, yet you're not making sexy headlines out of it. Right? Tweeted by Perez from the dead, because he's dead, everyone. All right. Israel has its attractions. It's the most dramatic country in the world. Everybody's engaged. Everybody argues. When I leave Israel, I get a little bit bored, you know? That's true. Could be either. I'll go for Netanyahu. Shimon Peres. Oh. Yeah, that's like so less eloquent. Now I'm not, I'm not 
I'm not biased anymore. But if you're doing it just to prove to me that you're not doing it, <laughs> then you are proving that you're still biased. All right. Why are we talking about talking? Why negotiating about negotiating? It's very simple. If you want to get to peace, put all your preconditions on the side. Sit down opposite a table, not in a studio, by the way. Netanyahu. Wow. I thought that sounded more shimoni. Negotiations without any preconditions. It sounds like... Is that your bias coming out? Sounds like a right-wing nutter would say that. Is that what you were going to say? Yes, that's yeah, it's biased. <laughs> All right, here's the last one. We are living in a world where image making is important, so we ignore the facts. I'll say Netanyahu. Shimon Perez. So, listeners out there, has Raoul made you think about journalists and their headlines? Are they biased? Is he a homo? <laughs> How many times can I get away with it? I think, you know, by the way. I don't think you've got away with it. <laughs> okay, fair enough. I wanted to let you know, speaking of homos and curse words and all that, we're actually on iTunes now. And we have a uh, rating that sort of that warns. Warns people that we're going we're gonna to say bad words. Yeah. And I think it's mainly because of me. That's what Alex told me. And I think after this recording, he's more accurate, which makes him a journalist. No, we're not journalists. That's the fun of this. We blatantly state that we are satirical. Final thoughts, Raoul, now that I've destroyed your reputation a little bit? Or if I enhanced it, I'm really not sure. Whatever the headlines would be, that's what you would want people to read and believe. Um, jokes aside, I think that media plays an important role in democracy, in highlighting what politicians are doing, both the good and the bad. And politicians can continue to dislike it and journalists will continue to report on their actions and I think that's uh, a key part of, uh, of democracy and I hope that it will uh, continue for a long time. All right, sounded a little bit like a prayer, a little bit uh, like you were defending yourself as a shit journalist, but I'll take it. Uh, if you have comments, which I'm sure you do, about what is satire, what is news, what the headlines are really all about, Israel, you should look him up on, uh, where, where can they find you, Facebook, Twitter? Grinder. Oh, there it is. That's for people that aren't gay. That's the gay Tinder. Actually started by Israelis, so it's very fitting to end there. Uh, we'd love to hear your thoughts. Find us on Facebook, The Mideast Beast, on Twitter at Mideast Beasties. Of course, the website, themideastbeast.com. This is Molly Livingstone. I want to thank Scott Kahn for going through this footage, our editor and producer, and bearing with us because I don't know how he's going to take this one. <laughs> and that'll about wrap things up here for us on this uh, another episode of the Mid-East Beast.